Welcome to Breast Friends Cancer Support Radio. Your host is Becky Olson. Our show is here to help breast cancer patients, survivors, their friends, and family by providing resources, support, and inspiration they can use right now. Here is your host, Becky Olson. Thanks for tuning in. My name is Becky Olson. I'm the co-founder of Breast Friends. I'm also a five-time survivor of advanced stage breast cancer. I'm a motivational speaker and the published author of The Hat That Saved My Life. And today we have a really popular guest coming back on for the third time um, to finish out something that we started talking about on the last two times. But before I introduce him again, I want to share a little a little story, I guess, with you. Um, in his book, and our guest is Patrick Quillen, in his book, 12 Keys to a Healthier Cancer Patient, he had a wonderful quote. I mean, this book is fabulous. It's kind of my, my new go-to, I think. But there's a great quote in there from Tao Te Ching, and which I'm not sure what year it was, like 500 BC or AD or something. I don't remember. I'm sure he'll tell us. Um, but the quote is, New beginnings are often disguised as painful endings. And I have to say, when I read that quote, it was exactly the experience that I've had through my cancer journey. And I know that if you're brand new diagnosed, you're just now getting the worst news of your life, you're not going to understand this. But eventually, you will. And um, can't, getting cancer really was probably the worst thing that I ever heard in my life, but it was possibly the best thing that ever happened to me. And if you are listening live right now on Voice America and you're really upset about what I just said, um, I go ahead, call me. You can call into our show and you can yell at me on the air. That's fine. Um, or you can email me if you're listening after the fact at Becky at breastfriends.org and share your thoughts. But before you do, I want you to hear me out because I think it's I think it's a really important message and I want this to resonate with everyone who's going through this cancer journey. So for me, I had been, I spent 15 years in corporate America and it was a great job, six-figure income, provided health insurance, paid for my college tuition. I mean, it was a great job. And I had five kids at home. And the thing when, when you're raising a family, somebody has to be the caregiver. So my husband, that was kind of the job that was assigned to him, although he was a contractor. He did contract work, but he worked out of our house quite a quite a bit. And he was there to support the kids and make it easier for me to, to be that full-time worker. And in 1996, which was just a few years after I had started working there, I got diagnosed with stage 3 breast cancer. And, you know, I was given a 60% chance to survive past five years. And I'm really glad that the doctor was wrong because it took me seven years to get my degree once I started back to school. And so, you know, I paid for my school and it gave me that opportunity to get my degree. And But I'll tell you that what happens is, you know, you get this diagnosis and you suddenly realize that you've been living your life in reaction mode instead of proactive mode. And it took me a second diagnosis and nine years total after the first one for me to step down from my job. I finally did it. I'll never forget the words of my youngest son, Micah. When I had my second diagnosis, I told him, well, the good news is if I have breast cancer again, I can take more time off from work. And he said, Mom, that's a little telling, don't you think? And I said, what do you mean? And he says, you'd rather have breast cancer than go to work? And honestly, by that point in my life, that's exactly how I felt. You know, so I I did. It took me another year after that to step down. But when I finally did, um, they replaced me within a week. They had my job completely filled by another person. They couldn't have cared less about me at that point in my life. But what happened is when I was eight, when I finally stepped down from my job, it allowed my husband to step up. And he's had the same job now for, gosh, 15 years, I believe. And um, he even had the same insurance that I left. And, you know, everything kind of worked out. And that allowed me to focus on breast friends. It allowed me to go out and speak and share my story. And it helped me find my purpose. So I know it seemed like the worst news in the world at that time. But it was also the best thing that could have happened to me because it changed the direction of my life. Well, you know, things, sometimes things take another, you know, surprising twist. Um, The cancer metastasized to my lungs about a year and a half ago. And um, I went in for scans on Monday. 
and my doctor gave me the readout just yesterday. And unfortunately, the cancer has grown a lot in the last three months. So it's now in my liver and in my bones, and it's kind of just everywhere. But but I feel great, and I don't know how much time I have. I'm being very transparent with you right now. Um, I don't know how much time I have, but darn it, it's going to be the best time I can give it. So, you know, I know I, I have through today, and I have through next week, and next month and you know hopefully I'll have through the through the year I mean it's we just don't really know what what we've got but I have to share another little story my nine-year-old grandson Kieran who lives in Boston I went to Boston last November and it was also right my birthday was right after that and my birthday card the little group card that they all wrote Kieran nine years old writes grandma I knew you'd make it one more year and I just love that. Just talk about transparency, just pure purity of heart. He meant that with everything. Well, I'm leaving tomorrow to go back to Boston and see my grandkids again. And I'm very excited about it. And, you know, I'm hoping that maybe if God allows it a year from now, he'll write. And I knew you'd make it another year, Grandma. So I don't really know. But I'll tell you right now, what was the worst ended up giving me a future. It gave me a path. It gave me a purpose. And it can do that for you, too no matter how long you have. So I know this is tough if you're just starting out. For me, I have a, I have two genetic mutations. That may be part of why I've struggled with this so long. Um, so it, my story is not your story. You may only have to deal with this once and be done with it and never have to face it again. I know many, many people who have only had to do it one, one time. Um, so we don't know what your story. Your story is not my story, but it can be your best story. So work to make it that and um, in the meantime never lose hope there are so many improvements to treatment and information and we're here to help you kind of find your way through all of that so with that and I hope I didn't depress anybody that certainly wasn't my goal um, but I want to take this time and introduce our very awesome and wonderful guest you've heard him before twice his name is Patrick Quillen he's the author of 12 keys to a healthier cancer patient he's back for part three because we can't seem to get through this book we keep we've gone through all of the keys but we're, we're down to three left so we're hoping we can make it through today but what the heck I mean I don't mind having him back he's been a wonderful guest so um, he's the author of 18 books. He's an internationally recognized expert in the area of nutrition and cancer. He has 40 years experience as a clinical nutritionist, 10 of which were spent as vice president of nutrition for the Cancer Treatment Centers of America. And in that job, he worked with thousands of cancer patients in multiple hospital settings. So welcome, Patrick. Thanks for coming back on again today. Thank you, Becky, and thank you for sharing your listeners. Uh, I think we're going to have a stimulating show, and I'd like to uh, talk more about my book. But before I do that, let's just insert some footnotes on what you just shared with the people, and I hope they appreciate your your candor, uh, that um, cancer can be the best and the worst thing that ever happened to anybody. Uh, and I get segue into something. John McCain uh, was a former senator, ran for president. Uh, he was a prisoner of war in Vietnam for five years and after he emerged from his POW camp he said after that every day with door handles on the inside is a good day <laughs> I, I think about, he said that yeah that's I a good think one. <laughs> about cancer patients that uh, all of us walk around with a certain sense of immunity they we assume that life goes on forever we assume that forgive this uh, uh, expression but we're here to get paid and laid and there's nothing more to it <laughs> when in fact we need to find a sense of purpose and a peace yeah. and a path yeah. as you mentioned uh, and I'll offer a little anecdote and then we'll move into my book okay. uh, this is a true story uh, patient I did not work with who did not have cancer but teaches us a lot about life and the healing process Galen Clark went to Yosemite Valley in the year 1842, that's 1842, to die of end-stage tuberculosis. So he was coughing up blood and chunks of his lungs, and his doctor said, you get your affairs in order, there's no cure for this. Tuberculosis was, of course, the uh, leading cause of death in the 19th century. So he said, well, if I'm going to die, I might as well get happy. So he wrote <laughs> himself a prescription for happiness. He moved to Yosemite Valley. At that time, the prettiest place he had ever visited. Mm. So 
Write yourself a prescription for endorphins, happiness. Number two, he carved his own tombstone. He accepted death. And too many of us think that we're going to live forever, and we forget about that. I went to a a large church down here in San Diego, a very wealthy community. Everybody's got two commas in their uh, bank account. We're talking millions. Uh, And I talked to the priest of this very large, wealthy parish, and he said that two-thirds of his senior members did not have a will, meaning you got something to give, and you're you're not even thinking about death. So... I'm back to the business of Galen Clark. He carved his own tombstone. It's a good <laughs> exercise. Number three, he started doing what he liked every day, which was to plant trees, create trails, and do what he could to uh, save this beautiful Yosemite Valley. And Galen Clark is now considered one of the founders of Yosemite, a national park. The next thing he did was he ate what was available in Yosemite in 1840, which was not much, rabbit, squirrel, deer, uh, trout, a little bit of grains, some berries, uh, mountain stream water, a lot of intermittent fasting. And he didn't die two months later of end-stage tuberculosis. He died 54 years later at the age of 96. Oh, man, I just got goosebumps. (laughs) It's a true story. And so what, what this teaches us a lot is accept death, start doing what you love, create a passion, a mission, a purpose, and it doesn't matter whether it's two months or 54 years later, you died with a sense of purpose. And so I admire what you've done. I mean, Becky, your your story starts in 1996 with your diagnosis of stage three breast cancer. You're now 24 years beyond that and at least 20 years beyond your death sentence, and you have had a, a life of purpose that through your show and through your uh, your book and your inspirational presentations, you've made a difference in the lives of other people. Um, in my own story, I was raised Catholic, uh, 10 years as an altar boy, uh, went to Notre Dame for two years, read the Bible, and my humble purpose is there is a God, and our purpose here on earth is to make a difference in the lives of other people, and what we take with us, there's nothing, there's no pockets in the uh, suits on a cadaver or a stiff or someone in a casket, what we bring with us is our capacity to give and receive love and our experiences. Your turn. Thank you. (laughs) That was beautiful (laughs) Um, and very inspiring. And thank you for your kind words. Um, Means a lot. And um, so here's the good news, Patrick. I always figure as long as the doctors are willing to try something new, that there's still hope. So he's taking me off this drug I'm on right now and putting me on something else. We're going to let my body kind of settle for a little bit. But I have a question. That leads me right to our first talking point. You know, we have a break coming up, but I think we're going to skip it. So, Aaron, I hope you're paying attention. I'm sure you are. Um, we're going to skip this first break because we just have a lot to talk about. So, um, so let's just go right into it. One of the things I really wish I would have brought up on our last two sessions together is that every one of your chapters starts with nature's pharmacy and yes. you you suggest something from nature and um you in in the the we haven't gotten to keys 10 11 and 12 so we're going to we're going to push through and get those done today but um section of key 10 talks about in nature's pharmacy is grapefruit and i love grapefruit but this drug that i am currently on and have been on i can't eat grapefruit with it What's the deal with that? I I talked to so many people say, yeah, I can't eat grapefruit with mine either. And I know grapefruit isn't really a grape. I mean, some people think it's not even a fruit, but yeah. um, I love grapefruit. And I don't know if this new drug is going to have the same restriction, but what is the deal with grapefruit? Why can't you eat that with certain with certain um, medicines? What's grapefruit is a very healthy food. However, it changes the pharmacokinetics of drugs in your liver. So let's go back with that fancy word, pharmacokinetics. Pharma means drug, kinetics means movement or activity. So when drug companies develop a drug, they have to look at the pharmacokinetics that, for instance, they give you a pill, 200 milligram pill, you absorb 100 milligrams within uh, 20 minutes, and then within 24 hours, your liver has eliminated 90% of the drug. So now, based upon that, they know how much drug do we give and what is the activity? What is the LD50? So they need to know the effective versus lethal dose. So they work on pharmacokinetics. How long does this stay in your body? 
with grapefruit, it accelerates the passage of drugs out of the body. It actually improves detoxification, which for the drug companies is a bad com- thing because they can't predict how long the drug is staying in your body. So, point is, many drugs uh, will, you cannot use uh, uh, grapefruit if you are on many prescription drugs. Um, and so I'm all on board with that. I'm not telling you to divorce your doctor or your pharmacist, <laughs> but there are many foods. So each chapter begins with nature's pharmacy. And here's, a, uh, we're going to have the rest of our, our show on inspiration. You have given us some very heartfelt moments of uh, courage and a great sermon for the, all of us and the whole business of nature's pharmacy. Um, uh, I'm not going to be a pessimist here, but this is a realist. Uh, sickness is big business in America. I'm going to give you some rough numbers. Uh, the gross domestic product in America is around $19 trillion a year. That's everything included. Of that, $3.5 trillion is health care. So we're talking about a huge percentage of all the dollars spent is on health care. And of that $3.5 trillion, $480 billion is the drug industry in America. And then people say, well, those people on vitamins are making so much money. There's a $30 billion a year vitamin industry, but a $480 billion a year drug industry. So uh, when people look at follow the money trail, it's, it gets rather uh, complicated when we look at, from Nature's Pharmacy says that there are foods and the six vectors in my book, and that is attitude, nutrition, toxins, energy alignment, exercise, and the microbiome. And those six vectors drive the way your body works. And your body is self-regulating and self-repairing if you do your best with those six vectors. So my whole book is about empowerment, Becky. The 12 Keys to a Healthier Cancer Patient says that you can bring your body up to a state of wellness such that there's no room for illness. And each chapter begins with a special food, beets, Uh, fatty fish, uh, uh, cruciferous vegetables, uh, and on it goes. And you just mentioned grapefruit, which uh, is a wonderful fruit. Naringin is one of the uh, substances in grapefruit. It has bioflavonoids, vitamin C, potassium. It actually helps with weight loss, uh, but uh, grapefruit is a fabulous food unless you're on a prescription drug and your doctor (laughs) tells you don't eat it. Well, I'm really hoping that the one who's putting me on um, soon here, when I come back from Boston, he's gonna. We're gonna start then. That I doesn't have that same restriction because I, like I said, I I love grapefruit. So key ten um, in your book is nutrition is essential in cancer treatment, and so we we talked about why I can't eat grapefruit, but so how can nutrients affect the cancer process? I mean, what is it doing specifically? It, I mean, that might be a really may, dumb question. But. No, 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 that's perfect. And may I be so bold, Becky? I actually am uh, 68, uh, and I remember going to the movies when I was five, and you gave them a quarter, and you got to see something, and they would say, when we last left our hero, so these were ongoing serials, and you uh-huh. would see a half hour something, and what I'm going to do here is, when we last left our hero, I'm going to review the book. Key one is understand the problem. And that is the war on cancer has been a qualified failure. And if this stuff works, then why doesn't my doctor use it and my insurance company pay for it? That's key one. Key two is understand the solution. That is how your body can fight cancer. Harnessing your innate healing forces and understanding the adaptive forces of nature. That's key two. Key three is genetics and epigenetics. So we all have to accept genetics is a powerful force in our life. However, epigenetics says that you can mold and shape and bend your genes so that while you may look something like your ancestors, you don't have to die from the same disease as your ancestors because of epigenetics. That's key three. Key four is the mind, attitude healthy pleasures, inspiration from geniuses. And if I had to summarize my my uh, talk about uh, cancer, I would say that what you are eating is not as important as what's eating you. And every cell in your body is eavesdropping on your thoughts. So that is key for the mind. I've, I've borrowed that, by the way. <laughs> I hope you do, abundantly. <laughs> that's, a, yes. that's a great, that was uh, Deepak Chopra who said that, right? We call it research or stealing yeah. or plagiarism, which are yes. <laughs> 
and we key, and we lo- I love that I love that one so well, it is and then key five is exercise uh, is disease from a disuse of the body key six is detoxification cleanse your body key seven is energy alignment bolstering the human power grid we are the body electric key eight is the microbiome we have a hundred trillion cells in our gut that help for better or for worse, regulate our body's metabolism. And getting those into proper sequence is going to make a big difference in your recovery from cancer. Key nine is nutrition. You are what you eat. Malnutrition USA. Nutrition is frontline therapy. Real food and healing. Foods with anti-cancer activity. Intermittent fasting. Nutritional supplements. And then recipes, an entire chapter on recipes. Oh, and they're beautiful now, recipes, too. And the uh, photos are Fabulous. I have to try some of those. A color book. People are going to love it. Now, we're up to key 10. That's where we left our hero. Nutrition is essential in cancer treatment. You mentioned that for 10 years, I worked as a vice president of nutrition for Cancer Treatment Centers of America. And I had the privilege of organizing three international conferences on adjuvant or helpful nutrition in cancer treatment. And we brought in 40 doctors from around the world, the experts in the area. And we brought in 400 people in the audience, and we offered continuing medical education. And here's what came out of it. There's five main reasons why every cancer patient needs to have an aggressive nutrition component as part of their comprehensive cancer treatment. Number one, malnutrition kills 40% or more of all cancer patients. And the only treatment for malnutrition is optimal nutrition. Number two, nutrition reduces the toxic side effects of chemo and radiation. So while chemo and radiation can kill cancer cells, they can kill you also. And nutrition makes chemo and radiation more of a selective toxin. Number three, uh, we're going to improve the immune function. If your immune system is working right, you don't get cancer or coronavirus, or the flu, or anything else. So improving immune functions is the third point. Number four is cancer is a sugar feeder. It's an obligate glucose metabolizer. That's why your doctor used a PET scan or positron emission tomography when which they inject radioactively labeled sugar into your veins. And then they use a Geiger counter device to find out where did the sugar go because that's where the cancer is because cancer is a sugar feeder. And we can selectively slow down cancer by addressing that issue. And number five is Nutrients become biological response modifiers, which is a fancy way of saving, saying they can save your life. A blatant example, every year in America in August, about 30 young men die of heat stroke practicing football. It's 90 or 100 degrees. They practice one or two times a day. They might be overweight. They might not drink enough water, and they die of heat stroke. The cure is water. Water becomes a life-saving drug. It's a biological response modifier. Mm -hmm. And in many Americans, the way we eat, there are so many nutrients we are deficient or excessive in that nutrition can become a biological response modifier and save your life. So that is key 10 in which we say, why is nutrition essential in comprehensive cancer treatment? And it needs to be an important part of everybody's aggressive cancer program. So let me let me jump in here for a second because I'm I'm sitting here thinking, you know, given my current diagnosis yesterday or you know prog- they didn't give me a prognosis like I said I won't I won't accept that. Um but hearing what I heard yesterday, can is there a chance I could reverse some of this by not eating licorice? I love licorice. <laughs> <laughs> Especially the black ones, you know, they're really good. Um, uh, this I, I don't like to get it so reductionistic. I've had people come up to me and say, you mean if I have a carrot a day, I'm going to cure stage four cancer? No, yeah, right. <laughs> I'm not that unrealistic. What I tell people is the dual stage cancer treatment in the 21st century will be two stages. Number one, it will be selective tumor debulking. And that means using restrained medical therapies to reduce the tumor as much as you can without hurting the cancer patient. So selective tumor debulking. And that means chemo, radiation, surgery, immunotherapies. And then there are other therapies that I think people should um, examine because they're used in some of the better clinics around the world. Intravenous vitamin C should be considered. Hyperthermia or heat therapy. Uh, There are ways of using uh, uh, 
insulin uh, potentiated therapy, um, intravenous use of turmeric or curcumin. Uh, there are um, biovoltage therapies that have been used with great success. Those are outside of the box for most board certified oncologists. And then adjusting pH, I think, is an extremely useful therapy. Uh, in fact, cancer generates acids which then make the body less able to fight the cancer. So this lactic acid makes the body more acidic, and there are pH therapies, including baking soda and other therapies that help to bring the body up to an alkaline pH, 7.43 instead of 7.35, which can improve outcome in cancer treatment. So I'm telling you, don't just say I'm going to take a carrot and call it a day or give up my licorice. <laughs> or broccoli. I mean, my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> so listen, I did just get a question out of me um, that was just sent to me via text and that is what about CBD we hear a lot about CBD oils you know pills whatever what do you how do you feel about that let's talk about CBD is cannabidiol Uh, what has happened for thousands of years cannabis has been a favorite food and substance around the earth and arguably cannabis is one of the most useful plants on earth Uh, the word canvas comes from the word cannabis because from centuries canvas was made from cannabis it can make texture it can make clothing it can make uh, paper you could use it to replace instead of cutting down trees you can use uh, cannabis uh, for that paper pulp Uh, it can be a food um, uh, hemp seeds Uh, The oils from hemp can be extremely valuable. So that's the very practical bulk side. Now let's talk about the micro side, the drug side. Cannabis, as in THC or CBD, there are dozens of chemicals that have been isolated from cannabis. Uh, One of them is the THC, uh, tetrahydrocannabidiol. THC is the hallucinogenic part in which people want to escape. And I'm not saying anything against that. It's illegal in many states. Um, uh, However, we take another fraction of that. So let's just look at a carrot as an example. A carrot contains thousands of carotenoids and hundreds of bioflavonoids, and one of those is beta-carotene. And so researchers took beta-carotene, they made a synthetic analog, they coated it in artificial coal tar derivatives, and then they gave it to heavy smokers, and they said it didn't help. No, of course it wouldn't help because carrots are more than beta carotene. Go back to the question about CBD. It wasn't until the 1990s that researchers in uh, Israel found that every cell in the human body has an endocannabinoid system. So we have a receptor. Think of a landing strip. Think of uh, Dallas-Fort Worth Airport. It has dozens of landing strips. It's a huge airport. One of the landing strips on your cells, every cell in your body, is for the endocannabinoids. And so your body makes endocannabinoids. You make your own substance like that. And one of the precursors for this is uh, EPA or fish oil. If your diet is adequate in making the essential omega-3 oils, uh, EPA, icosapenta, and oic acid, then you're making your own CBD, you're making your own endocannabinoids, and that landing strip, that uh, runway, is filled properly. However, for various reasons, many people don't make their own CBD or THC or whatever, and therefore taking exogenous or outside sources can be useful. Uh, CBD, for some people, is almost like the light suddenly went on in their body, and they say, I feel alive. Uh, for some people, cannabis is like that. Uh, there are there are websites and there are doctors who have used cannabis as a treatment for cancer. And given the comparison between the rigors of chemotherapy and the rather dismal results from chemotherapy, I think we need to include cannabis as part of the medical curriculum. So study it, use it effectively, regulate it, tax it, uh, but it's certainly no worse than tobacco. You know, it's, I'm really enjoying this conversation. I grew up in the 60s, as it sounds like you did as well. Yeah. Um, I, you know, and I, I did what a lot of kids do in the 60s. You know, we experimented a bit. I never liked the high that came from smoking pot. I never liked it. Still wouldn't like it. But um, I'm not opposed to, to medical use of CBD. So does it 
does it matter which format? I mean, CBD comes, sometimes it's got THC in it, sometimes it doesn't. CBD that's just pure CBD that is not related to THC. I may be asking this question wrong, but I think you know where I'm going with this. Yes. So, yeah. Yeah. So, as I mentioned, we have a carrot that has thousands of uh, carotenoids and hundreds of bioflavonoids. Now, we look at cannabis, and cannabis is a weed, and based upon the environment that it is planted in, the soil that it is cultivated in, and by the way, a footnote, I experimented like you, and I don't like the high. I just that don't particularly care for that, but the medical use of marijuana should be legal everywhere in the world. Anyway, back to that, uh, that um, the array of chemicals, the phytochemicals that are in cannabis is extremely complex, and it's based upon the soil that is grown in, the atmosphere, the sunlight, the water, uh, the herb blending, the uh, strain that you have, and so there's hundreds of different uh, strains of cannabis. Uh, what you're looking for is the CBD that gives many people a sense of calmness, but now let's look at... Uh, cannabis as the the basic weed, uh, um, the uh, uh, the DEA, the Department uh, um, Drug, Drug Enforcement, Enforcement Agency. Agency, the DEA, mm-hmm. uh, wanted to prove that cannabis was harmful, and so they went to a researcher at UCLA, an oncologist, famous researcher, and said, "We want you to show that cannabis is harmful." He said, "Shouldn't be too difficult to do." So he had a group of people who were smokers, smoked tobacco. He had a group of people who did not smoke tobacco or cannabis. That was number two. And then he had a group of cannabis smokers, number three. And he did a study on cancer. Guess which group had the lowest incidence of lung cancer? Cannabis only? Cannabis only. Interesting. Tobacco had the highest rate of lung cancer by far, by far. Mm -hmm. Non-smokers had a relatively low, but the cannabis smokers had even a lower rate. And so Mm. he couldn't prove that it caused cancer. (laughs) Anyway, I'm against abusing any drug, and that includes cannabis, but it should be an option. And before we run out of time, we need to talk about change the underlying cause and Yes. (laughs) Yes, because we do actually probably need to take a break because people need to hear from our sponsor. But um, but yeah, we've got a couple more minutes. So let's let's at least start down that road. I know that one, key 11, changing the underlying cause, you focus on nature's pharmacy, is lemons. Why lemons? Well, lemon is, uh, at the beginning of every chapter, I have a food. Mm -hmm. Uh, Lemons are a powerful food for a number of reasons. The basic obvious thing is it contains vitamin C, potassium, small amount of fiber. Uh, However, the real exotic thing is the acids that are in lemon, which changes the pH in the body. Um, there are an abundance of people today who are going through the horrors of a kidney stone. Imagine dragging a fish hook through your urethra and you have an idea of what a kidney stone is like. (laughs) And so one of the things that the urologist will tell these people is start consuming uh, one or two tablespoons of lemon juice one or twice a day in a glass of water because the acid in lemon juice will help to dissolve the stones, these oxalic acid stones, and prevent kidney stones. That's one of the magic. But what it really gets interesting is D-limonene. D-limonene is a substance that's in all citrus, but it's particularly concentrated in lemon peelings. And so for centuries, people used lemon zest. What they would do is take the peeling, mm-hmm. and they would uh, peel off that and add it to various foods. And it adds a pungent, uh, bitter, uh, it's aromatic, it's memorable. But that D-limonene in lemon peeling is a powerful anti-cancer substance. And now you can buy supplements of nothing but D-limonene, and I would recommend it. I think it's extremely useful. It has uh, anti-cancer activity. Literally, selectively slows down the growth of cancer. But let's move on. Well, it's a good thing I love lemons, so I'll I'll go out and buy some more of those. But... um, the beginning of each chapter is change the underly- is, uh, nature's pharmacy, but change the underlying cause is crucial here, Becky. Yeah. Uh, if you have to go to a break, I'll, I'll, I'll... We do, so we'll pick it up on the other side, and it's our right. shortest segment coming up, so we're going to have to get through two of them. Yeah. Um, but before we go out to break, I, I wanted to... I love the quote you have in your book, no one with a headache is suffering from a deficiency of aspirin, and no one with cancer has a deficiency of chemo. <laughs> I, I love that. I'm sure that... that 
you can explain that, although I don't think you need to. I think that's pretty self-explanatory. But anyway, we are going to go out to break. So stay tuned. We'll be back in just a minute. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Thank you for listening today. Breast Friends needs your support. We rely on donations to keep our doors open and to keep this radio program alive. Please consider making a tax-deductible donation to Breast Friends. You can visit us at breastfriends.org. You can also like us on Facebook at Breast Friends of Oregon. Be sure to tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time for Breast Friends Cancer Support Radio. Visit breastfriends.org and contribute today. When was the last time you felt free? It's time to uncover that feeling again with the compassion of a cross and shield and the power of a car that opens doors to the best hospitals and medical centers in all 50 states. Giving you the freedom to love, to dream, to dance like no one is watching. Regions Blue Cross Blue Shield. Live fearless. Female cancers affect women, but women's effects are felt throughout our families, workplaces, and communities. Electa is driving advances in precision radiation medicine across our portfolio of devices. By enabling treatment that is highly responsive to changes in tumor shape, position, and biology, but doesn't compromise the health of surrounding tissue and the patient, we protect the moments that matter in the lives of women with female cancers and everyone they touch. Learn more at electa.com. That's E-L-E-K-T-A.com. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. into Breast Friends Cancer Support Radio. To reach the program today, please call us at 1-866-472-5792. Again, that's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to becky at breastfriends.org. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to our program. We've been talking about the 12 keys to a healthier cancer patient with our guest author, Dr. Patrick Quillen. And just a quick plug for the show. If you love our show, please tell your friends about it, subscribe to it, listen to us all the time and and tell as many people as you can about it and consider making a donation um, to keep this show going. So um, with that, I I don't want to skip off of key 11. We do have to get through the rest of 11 and 12. But let me ask you on key 11. You know, you say in your book that the only way to get long-term remission from any condition is to change the underlying causes of the disease. How do we do that? And I don't know if we can do this in the next few minutes, but let's give it a shot. Yes, we can. And uh, you had mentioned something about immune therapy. So let's tie all this together into a one or two minute Reader's Digest summary. Okay. Uh, We think of ourselves as prisoners of our genes, genetics. And I look something like my ancestors, so do you. That's genetics. I won't play in the NFL because of genetics. However, epigenetics, epi means above. And that says that we can modify the expression of genes using lifestyle. And so that lifestyle are those six vectors that I mentioned before. Mm -hmm. Attitude, nutrition, toxins, energy alignment, microbiome, and exercise. Those six vectors can change epigenetics. An example, uh, Dean Ornish is a Harvard-trained cardiologist who grew weary of doing second and third bypass surgeries on his patients. So he said, I wonder if lifestyle has something to do with heart disease. And he found he could not only slow down, He could reverse heart disease uh, using a lifestyle modification. Uh, What he did is he used uh, meditation, uh, plant-based diet, 
and exercise and a uh, socialization process, meaning you had to get involved in a community or friends. That was his four-phase program, and he could reverse heart disease, and it's now a reimbursable therapy for heart disease. All insurance companies pay for the Ornish program. Then he said, I wonder if this works in cancer. So they took 30 men patients with slow-growing or indolent prostate cancer, and they did needle assay. So they took a needle into the prostate. They did microarrays. They looked at the DNA of these tissue samples from the prostate cancer. And then they implemented Dr. Ornish's three-month program. And at the end of the three months, they took another needle assay, and they found that these people had made an average of 500 DNA changes based upon their lifestyle. The point is, we are not prisoners of our genes, and those six vectors that I mentioned are epigenetics, and they modify our genetic expression so that we can have much longer and more filling life than our ancestors. Now, with that, let's jump into changing the underlying cause of the disease. Back to those six vectors. Attitude, nutrition, exercise, microbiome, toxins, energy alignment. Let's say that um, Bob is obese, Bob is pre-diabetic, Bob has now been diagnosed with colon cancer. Doctor is going to do his best with surgery, chemo, and radiation. Did they do anything to change the underlying cause of the disease? No. No. And the fact is, you're not going to get rid of it. You're going to spend five years and a half a million dollars, and you're not going to beat the cancer unless you change the underlying cause of the disease. And one of the causes of disease in America, one of the many, is obesity, elevated blood glucose, and insulin-like growth factor, which is an accelerator of all cancers. So the change the underlying cause is crucial. If you have a headache and you take an aspirin, maybe the headache went away. But why did you get the headache? Right. Maybe it's because your neighbor's teenager is playing drums. <laughs> Maybe it's because you okay, didn't get enough. Okay, don't pick on drummers. I have a son that's a drummer. <laughs> well, I hope he has a silent drum set that has headphones. Uh, maybe it's because you have a magnesium deficiency. Maybe it's because you didn't get enough sleep last night. Point is, fix the underlying problem, and maybe you don't need the aspirin. And that's chapter 11 in my book. And then the final one is rational cancer treatment. And that's where it gets really interesting. I'm not against selective debulking of tumor. Chemo, radiation, surgery, immunotherapy, they have their place. Uh, for instance, Lance Armstrong, uh, who was stripped of his honors as Tour de France winner, but nevertheless an impressive athlete, and he had uh, stage 4 testicular cancer. He had one of his testicles removed and then chemotherapy. Chemotherapy is very effective in testicular cancer and some childhood uh, leukemias. However, in most other advanced epithelial cancers, chemotherapy has about a 3% recovery rate. That's not very good. So you look at surgery, radiation, immunotherapy, uh, and then you start looking beyond those into uh, therapies that should be considered by all cancer patients and should be taught at medical school. And that includes intravenous vitamin C, which becomes a selective toxin against the cancer, but does not hurt healthy cells. Uh, hyperthermia, cooking off the cancer cell. Insulin potentiated therapy. Uh, in, uh, uh, intravenous uh, turmeric or curcumin. Uh, there are electromagnetic therapies that merit inclusion. Uh, pulsed electromagnetic therapy. Uh, and then one of my favorites is pH adjustment. The fact is that through unhealthy lifestyle, most of us have a pH that's not in the ideal range. And then if we get cancer or an infection, both cancer and microbes generate lactic acid as a byproduct, which further entrenches them into the body and makes it difficult for you to fight off the infection or the cancer. And therefore, adjusting pH helps. For instance, what is the time-tested cure for eating too much or drinking too much? What do you buy at your drugstore, Becky? Uh, time-tested cure for eating too much. Um, or drinking too much. Either one. You woke up and you say, I can't believe I ate the whole thing. What oh. do you take? Uh, Alka-Seltzer. Yeah. Alka <laughs> or milk of magnesia or something. Yeah. No, no. Alka-Seltzer. Alka That's nothing more than buffering your pH with some aspirin. Improving uh, pH improves outcome in almost everything. Well, that's, yeah, okay. Okay, so, because acidic or alkaline, which one feeds cancer? 
So here we are. Uh, the whole subject of pH could be a weekend seminar, and I could get very polysyllabic, but here it is. pH means potential hydrogen. It exists on a scale of 1, which is very acidic, all the way up to 14, which is very alkaline. Your stomach acid is a 2. It's extremely acidic. It could eat a hole in your living room carpet. That's very acidic. pH is on a logarithmic scale, which means when you go from a 7 to an 8, it's not a 14% increase. It's a tenfold or a thousand percent increase. So mild changes in pH in the body make a huge difference in what finds a friendly foothold in your body. It's and like so, an earthquake. I mean, yes, earthquakes exactly. just because goes from an eight to a nine, that's huge. That's, that's not a, just a you're right. little bit it's of an log- increase. Logarithmic scale. So how do we improve our pH? Uh, plant food, fruits, vegetables, whole grains, legumes, improve pH, lemon juice. Uh, there are people who use baking soda and uh, cesium chloride and other therapies, magnesium bicarbonate, to improve pH. Uh, there, this is an entire field that is rich in possibilities. There was an Italian oncologist, a, a Simon Cini, who traveled the world with his medicine bag using pH adjustment to help end-stage cancer patients. I think it needs to be studied and included as an option. So do we want to get our pH to be more acidic or more alkaline? I get really confused on that. Yes, here we go. So uh, pH, 1 is very acid, 14 is very alkaline, 7 is neutral. And so if you're alive, that means your pH is somewhere between 7.3, which is alkaline, all the way up to 7.5, which is very alkaline. So somewhere in that range, you're alive. When you go into the emergency room, the first thing the doctor often will do is check your pH, and they may give you a buffering solution to bring your pH into a healthy alignment because metabolic alkalosis or acidosis is instant death. And so what you're looking for is you're already alkaline or you'd be dead. What Got it, okay. It's more alkaline. So okay. we're moving ourselves from 7.3, which is mildly alkaline, into 7.45, which is more alkaline, but it makes a huge difference in your body's health. Okay, so you, can you be too alkaline? Yes, yes, absolutely. You can what sit down. What happens when that, when that, when uh, you get there, what it, happens? Well, for instance, you take too much baking soda and a glass of water, you're going to become metabolic alkalosis in which either extreme uh, can cause heart palpitations, uh, you can pass out, you can die from either extreme, alkalosis or acidosis. So you're looking for a moderate level here, and I'm hoping that everyone who's listening to our program has a competent healthcare professional who is going to guide you through this. Cancer is not something you do by yourself. In the Old West, people would go out west from St. Louis to uh, California. Nobody did it on their own and made it. You need a wagon master. Find yourself a good wagon master who can help you with this voyage. Wow. I'm kind of sad because we're coming up on the end of our show and we're done with this book. But um, I, you know, I cannot tell our, our listeners enough. You need to buy this book. And, and no, I'm not on commission here. So I mean, go to Amazon and buy this book. There is so much information like I said this is going to be my new go-to I wish I had found you a long time ago Patrick I think it's never too late Becky you have a pulse it's never too late Um, (laughs) yeah that's true and I'm I'm really I'm gonna I've been I haven't read this cover to cover I have gone through parts of it and you know as I know we're coming up on a subject I kind of go through it that way Um, but I'm gonna I'm gonna spend some time in this book I think that there's just so much, and, and again, there, there's a whole section on recipes, and they're just healthy, beautiful recipes with pictures. I love pictures in recipe books. Um, so I just really, really am so in awe of your knowledge and your, uh, you know, your willingness to come on and share with our with our listener base. And, and to our listeners, I have asked Patrick if he would kind of be my go-to when I have a subject that I need an expert on because you've got a lot of knowledge in a lot of different areas. So Thank you. He's agreed, he's agreed to come on again. I'm going to put you on the spot right now on can March 25th. I, can I yeah. jump in here and give you a halftime yeah. pep talk for you and all okay. of your listeners? Yes. Uh, and uh, a year ago, 
I was in Atlanta speaking at a group, and a lady came up to me with my original version of Beating Cancer with Nutrition, 1993 version, dog-eared copy, clutched in her arm, and she said, <laughs> you saved my life. And I said, well, I, I never do anything. I just help you to resurrect your own healing ability. But what she said was, 1993, she was given a poor prognosis with breast cancer. She got my book. She worked with her doctor, and she uh, that was uh, the year uh, 2019. She, she had incomplete remission, uh, never had any recurrences. Um, and so the point is, if you got a pulse, there is hope. And I'm hoping that all of our people out there will understand that a healthy human body is self-regulating and self-repairing. Do your part, and your body can do some amazing miracles in recovery. Well, I love that. I also love what you say on the cover, unlocking your body's incredible ability to heal itself while working with your doctor. Yes. So I appreciate that because I, you know, there's a lot of people out there that say you don't need Western medicine. You don't need to go to an, uh, an MD. You just need to eat more broccoli you know, yeah, no, or carrots or whatever. It's not that yes. simple. It's a very, if cancer were that simple, you know, we wouldn't, we just wouldn't have the issues that we have. So I just, I can't believe we're, we're pretty much out of time, but, um, oh, so March 25th, he's going to be back on again. And we're going to talk about the coronavirus and the impact on, um, on cancer patients. If you're dealing with with cancer and and you're around people, how do you protect yourself? So we're gonna we're not gonna get into that right now. So you got to come back and listen on March 25th. And if you're listening to all this on demand, probably all this will be over by then. But hope it's still gonna be great information about dealing with disease with your immune system and how to give yourself a boost so you can, you know, live healthier and live longer. So. Oh man, <laughs> just you have just been a wealth of information, and I am so appreciative. Um, Thank you, Becky. Thank of, you for sharing everything. your listeners, and you keep up the good work. Yeah, I don't hang up yet though, because we're we still have a a minute here. So anyway, for all of our listeners, again, this podcast is available across many many platforms. Uh, just go to your favorite. Um, podcast. If you have an Apple phone, there's a there's an app that comes with your Apple, and it's it's called uh, Oh gosh. I guess it's just an iPodcast or something. Just go there and search for Breast Friends Podcast. We will come up and you can subscribe and you'll get updates. And it's just so easy to listen to our show. Um, listening to it live, if you go to Voice America and click on the Health and Wellness channel at 9 a.m. Pacific time on Wednesdays, you'll be able to listen to us live. And with that, we are now out of time. We will be back next week. And until then, remember, there is always hope and we are here to help you find it. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to Breast Friends Cancer Support Radio. Please join Becky Olson again next Wednesday at 12 o'clock noon Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. There is always hope, and we are here to help you find it. We'll talk again next time.